I feel like those of us that have opened our eyes and have made the preparations need to help everybody that hasn't because it's not their fault. You're asking people to make a paradigm shift and deny what they've been taught their entire life. So for me, it's almost more important to talk to people of different mind, but in baby steps, because you cannot, you know, you cannot um, force anybody into a belief. You can just live your life with integrity, do what you believe is the right thing to do, and then give them little bites, but let them watch you. You model it. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Lynette Zhang. Lynette has held the position of Chief Market Analyst at ITM Trading since 2002. She has been in the markets on some level since 1964. She's been a banker, a stockbroker, and studied world currencies since 1987. And I came to know about Lynette through her amazing YouTube channel and her videos that are so packed and informative. And I'm sure we'll get more into that too, but she does such a great job. Lynette, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to be here, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a huge honor. Um, Lynette, I just wanted to start, you know, when I was when I was researching your background, I mean, you've you've done so many different things from banker and stockbroker, as I said before, now, now to the, uh, the the world of physical um, precious metals at ITM trading um, with all this uh, with all this experience. Where does your passion for finance? Where do you think it comes from? Well, quite honestly, Drew, I have been groomed for this moment in time. Um, in fact, you made mention Gerald Salente's Freedom Rally, and that's my hometown is Kingston. And uh, so so really, I have just been guided to do it my whole life on, on all different levels. Again, you said since 1964. Well, my uncle was a major antique dealer in back east in Kingston. And so he really got me started and taught me how tangibles move and when to buy and when to sell and the whole nine yards. Uh, but one day my parents and I were up in his, his house and he said, come here, I want to show you something. And he took us in a back bedroom. And then he said, if anything should happen to me, Aunt Bertie will be well taken care of for the rest of her life. And when I turned around to look at what what he was referring to, there were two huge floor safes packed with gold. Now, you have to keep in mind that this was 1964. So it was illegal to own more than five ounces of gold in any other form than the way he was holding them because these were all pre-1933 coins that he would buy when he would go into you know, family homes and they would have this and he would buy it at you know, probably somewhere around 35 bucks an ounce because gold was fixed at 35 bucks an ounce back then. Uh, so 
I didn't really even understand the impact that that had on me as a 10 year old, but that is definitely part of why. And then because my father was kind of like a bigger fish in a small pond, that's how I started in banking and I liked it. And I didn't really have a whole lot of options when I went to college because I wanted to go to Elsa Williams School of Art. And my parents oh, really? It's no. <laughs> really, yes, real. I am definitely an artist, but I, I didn't know that then either. Uh, but uh, yes, really. And so that's why I went and studied business finance because they wouldn't let me go and study <laughs> art. What, what uh, just, just out of curiosity, what form of art, what are you, uh, what are you most uh, passionate about with art, art forms? Oh, gosh. You know, honestly, I love mosaics, but when I bought this property to grow food for my family based, and I did it because of all of my economic studies, I looked at it like a big, huge art project. So I have a tendency to learn how to do things as I need them to put up on a wall or to do something that I want to do. Uh, so I love really all forms of art. And I do consider, by the way, the PowerPoints that I do on my YouTube videos to help explain things. That is really a form of art to me. Mm, I love that. Everything, everything can be art. It, it's yes. That's so cool. I, I think that the advantage that you have when you consider yourself an artist is that no matter what you're doing, you approach it with a creative things in that manner. It's incredible what you see. Mm. I, I can look at the same chart and graph a hundred times, depending upon what I'm focusing on. And every time I do that and I look at it in just a little different way, I see things that I never saw before, even though I'd looked at it a hundred times. Mm. So, you know, that's what I try and really encourage everybody to do is just step back, look at things just a tiny bit differently. And that opens up a whole new world of understanding and vision and education, really. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, Lynette, maybe just talk a little bit, bit about the, um, <laughs> well, I know this is a big, this could be, this could be hours, but the whole financial system. Um, oh. I mean, you, you really opened my, talk about opening one's eyes. Um, Lynette really opened my eyes to what's going on and how the system is really breaking down. And I'd love for you to just to share some of what you're seeing, Lynette, in the financial system for, uh, for some listeners that may not really be aware of it. Well, most people are not aware of it. Um, and I, I, I like to, at this point, back up a little bit to move forward so that they have a foundation because most people don't know what money is. And really, we needed a physical form or some kind of form of money to enable populations to specialize. You have a banker, you have a, a, a baker, you have a farmer, et cetera. And Gold money, I mean, lots of things have been tried over the last 6,000 years, but gold was the only thing that they discovered that was actually, that actually meets all criteria to be a good money. So you can divide it, it doesn't lose value. Uh, you can save it and it holds its value over time, many other things. Plus, 
it is a savings and labor-based monetary system. But governments and bankers don't like that because they're about taxing and spending. And so they moved us or began the full transition in 1913 into what's called a fiat money system. The literal description or translation of fiat is by decree. So bottom line is, is this is government-based money. And in this kind of money, inflation is part of the plan because the government wanted to be able to tax you without you knowing it. I mean, on a gold standard, they come and take the gold. And so they, you might not want them to do it. You might fight back. But since the bankers knew that not one man in a million understands inflation and inflation causes nominal confusion. As example, you had a $20 bill 10 years ago, heck, two months ago. <laughs> You've got a $20 bill today. Nominally, they are identical. But what that actually will buy you is far different from 20 years ago, uh, even two months ago. Now the inflation is more obvious to people, right? Mm. So this is really what they've used to get us to volunteer working for less because the average income never, ever, ever by design keeps pace with inflation. This is also what has enabled wealth and income inequality because the corporations, well, they're closest to the banks that the central bank that creates the money. And plus inflation is based upon the price of their goods and their services. So corporations are making more money and able to charge more than they ever have historically. At the same time, even though the average wage, like in 1971, it was 9,500 bucks and a family of four could live on that with one income. Today, they were giving out stimulus checks to people, couples that make 150,000 a year, plus all the other stimulus benefits that would come were equal to about 14,000 a year. So that's not really the value, you know, you're making more money or you're getting more money. It's really the loss of purchasing power and value of the currency. As you said earlier, I've studied currency since 1987. I was a stockbroker at Shearson and it was I stumbled across non-dollar denominated bonds. So my education came from the head of currency trading at Shearson. And for we talked every single day and I'd go home at night and I would study, study, study. And then that was my first call in the morning. And so I feel like I have a very good education in that. Uh, but what I also started to see, and as an artist, I see patterns. And so I started studying currencies. And what I discovered is that currencies have a life cycle, just like everything else. I mean, I have a six-year-old granddaughter. I guarantee you I'm at a different point in my life cycle at 66 than she is at six. But currencies are no different and particularly when you're looking at fiat money systems. So the problem that we're all dealing with, even though we don't realize it, is that there's virtually no purchasing power left in the original dollar. We've lost about 98 per, officially, according to the Federal Reserve. So this is not my numbers. 
you know, I'm data gal. I give you links. You can do your own due diligence. I encourage it. Mm. But we've lost about 98% officially out of the purchasing power value of the dollar. Plus, the way that or the tool 1971 Nixon, we say it so nonchalantly, took us off the gold standard. But what he really did was hand over full control and power of inflation to central bankers. What do central bankers know? They know it. They know debt and they know interest. Mm-hmm. And so interest rates and moving them up and down to control the rate and speed of inflation is the single biggest tool that central bankers have. But since 2008, which in my opinion is absolutely when the system died, because they were forced, you know, most of the world was forced to drop interest rates to zero and below in 2009. So negative rates. Well, what are negative rates? Negative rates attack principal. There's no more purchasing power left, right? So what's the next step? They have to attack principal. So we are shifting, and I've been talking about a reset of of the global monetary system since I heard Christine Lagarde uh, talk about the need for a reset in 2009. Okay. They have to reset it because central banks are out of tools and they can only go negative now. Mm. And really, um, so that's really where we are. The What happened in the pandemic was, was very convenient. The, the timing of it was convenient. I will say that because September 2019, one of their experiments started to blow up. And, I, and it gets really complicated. You have to watch my series, <laughs> you know, and others for that. But um, they started quantitative easing and printing a lot of money. But the bottom line is, here's the bottom line. They're out of tools. They have to shift us into a new system. The new system that they intend for us to go into is a digital system. So now what we're moving from is good money, gold, to fiat money that had inflation, but you could still hold cash and be anonymous to a programmable, fully controllable monetary system mm. where you can look at China, they can dictate where you spend it, what you spend it on, how long it's viable, etc. That's really the problem that we're dealing with. And we have already begun the transition. We, we really started that we really actually started the transition back in 2008, but in a very pervasive way, we started in September 2019. Hmm. And so, okay, so Lynette, for people to, and I know what you're going to, you, I think I know what you're going to say here, but for people to, that are hearing this and are kind of shocked by the loss of purchasing power and 98% of their dollar ha, ha, has gone away, um, how do people protect themselves in this very turbulent time? I mean, I guess this is where we would, where we talk about hard assets or or, or ways to well, to protect ourselves. Absolutely, because what we need to do is protect our standard of living as much as possible. Then go back to March of 2020, when this when everything shut down. 
you know, and you want to look at it. So yes, you need to maintain your purchasing power because it should be pretty clear to everybody. Inflation really just destroys the purchasing power of the currency, right? And it should be pretty clear to everybody that central banks are bent on destroying the last little bit of purchasing power in there. So you need real money gold. And I know this is this is just audio, but you know, you need real money gold. And if you stop and think about it, a one ounce gold piece has a $20 face value. And at the moment, even in these manipulated markets, which is another show, it's still above 1800. That does not reflect its true fundamental value. Because what people really need to know is that when they do, when inflation gets out of control and goes into hyperinflation and all confidence in the powers that be and in the currency and the financial system, when that goes away, then what governments do is they do an overnight big reset where they'll lop off a bunch of zeros and the currency will lose even its face value like 98, 99% overnight. This has happened over 4,800 times. Every single time they reset it against one thing and that's gold. Gold is the primary currency metal because it is the only money. And this is according to the Bank for International Settlements, which is a central bank or central bank. It is the only financial instrument, the only financial instrument that runs no counterparty risk. So it is the single safest thing that you can do. It is truly decentralized, right? You hold it, you own it outright, and it becomes invisible. Even though I mean, you can't see this, but Drew, you can see it. I'm holding a one ounce gold coin in my hand, mm-hmm. right? But to anybody else, it is absolutely invisible. So right now, because we are really, I mean, we are rushing toward this very rapidly. We're, this isn't the beginning. This is really toward the end. I can't tell you the exact day, but I, but nothing would surprise me because all of the money printing that they're doing and the fact that, that with the stock market up at all, all time highs, you know, almost every day, it's an all time high. Oh, the market imploded on Monday It took a little dip and now it's trading past there. Well, that's because of all of the liquidity, the new money that's being pumped into the system so that people don't know that the currency is dying and it's on its last legs and Mm. it is seriously on its last legs. So you definitely do need good money gold. You also need silver for barterability, but you also need food, water, energy, security, community, which is why I'm here and why I do was with Gerald, et cetera, and shelter. Regardless of what's happening out there, these are the things that we need to have a reasonable standard of living. And as many has had experienced in March, when the grocery store shelves went bare, I was walking out, I converted my, I bought the property in 2010 because of what happened in 2008. And I knew that we were on the last legs. Is this in Arizona, Lynette? Is that where you're, is that where you're based? 
Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, and I was able to, and then I converted it into really a food garden, took out the lawns because that's a waste of water in the middle of a desert and, you know, uh, and planted a lot of food so that I could personally, it started out, I just wanted to make sure I could feed my family. But frankly, I don't really know how to do anything in a small way. <laughs> so, and if I could feed the world, quite honestly, I would feed the world because it truly kills me to see anybody hungry. And there's way too many hungry people out there. Absolutely. You know, and it's, but just to get back to your point of not doing things in a small way, I, I've seen pictures of your, your food forest, uh, I think on Instagram. I mean, it's, you have like ponds with fish. Is that right? I mean, this is like a massive, <laughs> this is a massive project. Oh, I've been working on it since 2010, okay. but it's only on a half an acre. Hmm. So it's not like I have a whole lot of space. But, okay. you know, but yes, you can grow a, a tremendous amount of food on a half an acre. Do, do you find that nowadays you that you get most of your food that 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 most of your food that you're consuming is homegrown or like a good percentage of it? Uh, absolutely. And if if I needed it to be 100 percent, well, like you said, I have tilapia, so I have fish and I have chickens and ducks and quail. So I have eggs. You know, so yes, and actually my preference is indeed to eat what I grow because mm. all of the water that comes onto my property is filtered water. It goes through, it's structured water, so it goes through a structured water filter. So I know the water. We make our own dirt. We, we have a very small, uh, leave a very small footprint. So if I don't eat it, it'll go to the dogs. If it's not for the dogs, it's for the chickens. If it's not for the chickens, it's for the compost. If it's not for the compost, it's for the recycling. Mm. So, um, you know, beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. And and, so, and, yes. and you do you have people helping you with this or do you have or are you doing this all yourself or how does that how does that all work? I, I never sleep and I figured out how to clone <laughs> myself. No, <laughs> no, I you know, I I have to admit I have two full-time people that help me. I could not do it. And they have degrees in agriculture, so they definitely know what they're doing. But there were times when, yes, I did do it all by myself, but I, I like this way much better. That is amazing. And, and I know you, you have your mantra that you, that you mentioned before with food and water and shelter and security and all this. And you always, I know you always bring it back to community. Because community yes. is like that key ingredient. And, um, you know, when I, I mentioned to Lynette that I was at the Freedom Rally that she was speaking at and just this, you know, we've all, you know, for the past year and a half, many of us, we've been in our homes, we've been isolated. Mm -hmm. Maybe just speak a little bit, Lynette, to the power of community, the, po the power of connecting wow. with like-minded people. Oh, let me tell you, it, it, is, it is everything after being sequestered for so long and um, I've been really lucky in that I also did a George Gammon event the beginning of June. And that was really like the first time to be out there to be with, with he had seven, seven, eight hundred people there um, without masks. And we were all talking and being together and sharing community. And, you know, at Gerald's event, the Freedom Rally, which was super important because 
this digital currency, what they have in mind, World Economic Forum, you will own nothing and be happy. I mean, the picture that they have for us is not a pretty one. So Gerald's event to me was extremely important. And just being, yes, with with like-minded people, but also having, you know, people come in, and I saw this in both cases, where, okay, maybe a wife or a husband wasn't really on board, but the spouse was able to get them to participate. Because I've had so many people tell me, well, you know, if they if they don't know, then they're just going to suffer and blah, blah, blah. I don't feel like that. I feel like those of us that have opened our eyes and have made the preparations need to help everybody that hasn't because it's not their fault. You're asking people to make a paradigm shift and deny what they've been taught their entire life. So for me, it's almost more important to talk to people of different mind, but in baby steps, because you cannot, you know, you cannot um, force anybody into a belief. You can just live your life with integrity, do what you believe is the right thing to do, and then give them little bites, but let them watch you, you model it. So, you know, I, I was talking to my eight-year-old grandson the other day. He asked me, so Goog, he calls me Googie. That's <laughs> okay. my name. So Goog, what do you think about the economy? He's eight. <laughs> so I, I tried to give him a really simple answer. And at the end of it, he goes, yeah, well, I didn't really understand a lot of what you said. But okay. <laughs> you know, he's eight. And. What that actually helped me understand and inspired me to do, I went to the vault because obviously I have to hold everything off premises, but I went to the vault and I pulled dimes, quarters, silver, dimes, quarters, et cetera. And uh, he's not gonna help me because he won't go on camera. But I realized <laughs> that I really need to do a very simple 101 because people don't understand money and therefore they don't understand the economy all we're hearing is a strong dollar. Well, that's in relation to other currencies that are failing. So how great is that? Mm -hmm. You know, and how strong, look at how great the economy is growing. Well, that's with all the new money that the central banks are printing and giving away. And, you know, 2008, they gave it to the bankers, but now they're giving it to everybody, right? And we're going toward universal basic income because they got to keep, this ball rolling until they're ready for the shift. But, um, you know, the economy is not in good shape. If the government, if the central bank stopped printing that money, stopped buying the bonds, stopped buying the stocks, stopped buying the mortgages, what do you think would happen? Mm. You'd see the stock market that's making all time highs and going whoop de doo because all the central bankers are coming out and saying, don't worry, we're not going to tighten too soon. They're never going to tighten, mm. right? We're, we're just waiting till things get better. Well, they didn't do it since 2008, never got better. And then they did a whole lot more. So I think that people really need to wake up, right? And look around and look at all of the extraordinary support and it isn't whether or not they'll stop because they cannot stop. You have to understand they cannot stop. 
And people ask me all the time, oh, I hear deflation, deflation. Frankly, it's the same thing as inflation. It's just the other side of the coin. And there's only one way, only one way that you fight deflation, and that's with inflation. And that's why you hear all the central bankers saying, you know, we need more inflation. We need more inflation. This is not transitory. It's been around since since actually 1913 when this grand experiment start, started. But I will tell you, if for any of your viewers, if you go on to the Federal Reserve Fred, F-R-E-D, and in the search bar, this is where they have all their charts and graphs. It's my one of my favorite sites. And in the search bar, you put purchasing power of the consumer dollar. It'll take you back to 1913, but what I really want you to do is, and you, you, you'll see, you can put dates in. I want you to go short term because the loss of purchasing power that I'm seeing on there is faster than I've ever seen it before. Hmm. Wow. Exactly. Scary. <laughs> that is, well, you if know, you're it, not prepared. If you're not prepared, right. And I'll say this, ignorance does not make you immune. It just leaves you vulnerable. Absolutely. I mean, and that's why I think your your work is so critical because it's education like you, you're doing with your grandson. I mean, we need to educate the people. And that's what because like I said, and still I, until I started watching your videos, you know, you just kind of assume, well, these bankers, these these Federal Reserve people, they know what they're doing. But but no, they don't they don't know what they're doing. And, it, and it's it, it's like the the emperor has no clothes when you really get you know, close to it, as you've been studying this for, for so many years. I mean, you see it. Ever. Yes, absolutely. Mm. You know, I, yes. And that's why, you know, but it is, it's not just one thing. It's not just gold and silver. What that also does, because there's also opportunity and change. Right? Yeah. So you want to be in the right place at the right time with the right asset. If everything you have, like your stock market, look, the last time I checked, 10 gazillion times zero was still zero. So if you, if it looks like you've got a lot of dollars, but you can't do anything with them, what good are they? They're worth nothing. And that's what the gold and the silver prevents, mm -hmm. right? It protects you from that. Even the Bank for International Settlements, they tell us, I mean, it's in documentation, but they tell us that gold has been proven to protect people in a crisis. It's the best crisis material that you can have. Flight mm. to safety, treasury bonds. What are bonds? Bonds are debt. Is debt really good? Debt can make you seem like you're doing well but you need to be able to pay that debt off. Absolutely. And if you can't, you're a debt slave. Absolutely. You know, one of my earlier guests, Lynette, um, he, he studied Chinese culture and all these different things. And he said the word crisis in, I guess when you translate it in Chinese, it's opportunity blowing on a dangerous wind. And that whole idea of what you just said is that, yes, we're in the middle of a crisis, but if you know how to play it, there is opportunity there, which is very interesting. Oh, yeah, because that's <laughs> where those patterns come in. 
you know, it's not just the pattern of the the life cycle. You know, that's that's pretty clear. Actually, you can see it in the loss of purchasing power. It's also the pattern in the opportunities, because as example, I I mean, maybe some of your listeners don't think that real estate is overvalued or the stock market is overvalued, but they are the highest levels in history uh, with the lowest earnings, right? So they're severely overvalued. In the meantime, a rising gold price is an indication of a failing currency. So it has benefited the powers that be and openly, I mean, they openly admit to suppressing it, frankly, all the time, right? So it's kind of like holding your hand on a spring. When you remove that hand, the spring is going to shoot up. And that's what happens when they do the reset. Mm. Okay. So now you're, in fact, this is a study I'm probably going to come out and I committed to it on air yesterday, so I got to do it. Yeah. I, and I, and I saw that episode. I know what you're going to say because I watched that one, but okay, go ahead. Well, because the last time I did this study was probably 18 years ago and I wasn't as good at saving stuff then as I am today. So I'm going to redo this study, taking a look at, I've already done one on how gold and silver, uh, does during reset. So anybody can go and look at that. It's in our archives on the ITM trading website. But now I'm going to do it on, um, because in my studies, I discovered that on average, so I'm putting my neck on the line here, so it might be a little different by the time I (laughs) dig back into it, but 25 ounces of gold or the equivalent would buy an entire city block buildings and all. And it's really simple. I mean, the math is really simple. You've got something that's overvalued that's going to go to an undervalued level. And you've got something that's undervalued that's going to go to an overvalued level. Now, Mm. if you own what's going to that level and you understand the patterns, and we're going to look for what's called the cup formation. So we'll know when the powers that be, the one percenters, start accumulating a severely undervalued asset and uh, severely undervalued um, asset, then you simply take the gains from one, put it into the other, and you have the opportunity to come out the other side of this in even a better condition, maybe, than you went in, but you certainly would then be part of what the World Economic Forum is saying is, you know, because wealth never disappears, it just shifts location. So if everybody else is going to own nothing and be happy and have to rent everything, I'd rather be an owner. Mm. I don't want to be a renter. Mm. Absolutely. Here's the opportunity, not rocket science. It's actually pretty simple. Okay. Okay. That's great, Lynette. Um, a, a few final questions that I have that I that I ask most of the people on the show. Um, Lynette, for if someone's watching the show and they're feeling a little helpless and hopeless, I, I one of the things I, I love about you is just you have a you have a huge heart and you share it, you know, on your show and with your stories that you tell. But if someone's listening, they're feeling a little hopeless and helpless. If they were with you, what might you tell them? Well, I I would tell them that they needed to basically change that attitude because there is always hope. Even though I know all this nasty, ugly stuff and it's where I live most of my life, you know, there is hope. That's the importance of community. 
because in a community, you have a variety of people with a variety of skill sets and understandings that can come together to make the whole better. So if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling you know, depressed, you need to find your community and maybe this is where it starts. And um, can't really talk too much about it, but at ITM, we've been working on a community project that hopefully we're, should be ready shortly. Um, but there's community gardens. I mean, there are meetup groups, even, you know, go local. There are lots of ways to find like-minded people. So go and be with them, but don't give up hope. My hope is that we can get maybe 3% of the population or more to understand what you and I have been talking about today. Because what I really want is to retain choice. I know we're going to go digital. I know that there's, I know we're going to do that. I mean, we're going to do that. And I want to go into that as powerful and strong as I possibly can, not just for myself, but also for my family. Just like March, 2020, I was able to share. I was able to give people that didn't have toilet paper, toilet paper. I was able to give people that didn't have food, food. I was able to share. And so if you go into something really powerfully, and if you become part of a community, that in itself can then expand. So I'd say don't give up hope. I have a lot of hope. Beautiful. Um, Lynette, what are some of the daily practices that you do every day to help keep you more grounded, centered, and peaceful? Well, you know, one thing I do is, and I've been doing this for a lot of years, I ask the powers that be, how can I be of service? Because I am quite clear. Uh, I wasn't always quite clear, but, you know, life has, has a tendency to teach you things. But I'm quite clear that my job on this planet is to share the gifts that I've been given. And that's why I said I've been very guided to have gone through the experiences that I have. Not all of them pleasant, Lord knows, but um, so that I can share. I also have my ponds and I have my animals. Uh, I have a I have a crystal garden that I should sit in more. Uh, and my bug out house, I'm going up there this weekend by myself and my dogs. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really spiritual up there. So I feel very connected, actually. But I, I don't know that I have lots of rituals okay. that I might. Okay. Except other than how can I be of service? That's wonderful. Um, this is a question that I, that I like to ask right now is, in your eyes, Lynette, what does it mean to be a human being? And I know this is like such a big question, but I feel I just feel the need to ask it because I feel like we're so far away from from what it is. But in your eyes, what does it mean to be human? I think you kind of said it before, and that's your heart. That's something that humans have that machines do not have. And even though we're looking at a future of transhumanism, it becomes even more important. So I'd say I'd say that to be human is to have a heart and then share that heart with others. Hold out a hand and do your best. And it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks your best is. Just do your best and show up. I can't promise anything other than 
I will show up and I will do the work. And, you know, I guess with machines, you can push a button. But to me, that's what being human is, is to really show up, share what you have, share those gifts. That's why we're here. Mm. I love that. All right, my final question: If you could, if you could travel back in time, say fifty years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self? Buy more gold and silver. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, That's what I would have told myself. All right, you heard it. Lynette, how can how can the listeners find out more about you and your work? Well, you know, like you said earlier, I have a very prolific YouTube channel. <laughs> so if you go to YouTube, you can either put in ITM trading or you could put my name in. I'm sure even if you put a, put it in a search bar, any search bar, it would probably come up too. Um, and also we have a great website, itmtrading.com, and we love human contact. So we have a phone number, <laughs> 888-696-4653. Beautiful. And we'll link up in the show notes as well. Lynette, uh, this was such an honor. You know, I didn't get a chance to give you a hug at the Freedom Rally, but hopefully sometime down the line, I will. <laughs> I hope so. Are you in New York? No, I'm actually in the Boston area. I'm just outside of Boston. Oh, you're Oh, okay. Oh, so you drove down to Kingston. I did. See, I did. Lots of history there. And our forefathers, and they knew darn well that this was going to happen. That's why they said only gold and silver. But, you know, we didn't listen. We didn't listen. We got to get back to it. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.